millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Have you ever wondered exactly what it is that that married man found so appealing about paying for it? Or watched the murder doco and thought, how can that monster's mother still love him? Welcome to To Be Frank. The show that invites you to step inside the world of Constance Hall as she explores the most interesting topics and people from all over the world. With no BS, no filter. Now your host, Constance Hall, and co-host, Claudia McLeod. Hello and welcome to another episode of To Be Frank with Constance Hall. And Claudia. Hey guys. We're joined with Michelle Laurie. Thank you so much, Michelle. Thank you so much. It's nice to have a visit with you, even if it's got to be recorded because we're too busy to have any other kind of visit, <laughs> except a working visit. I mean, we'll, we'll check in with each other via text, but we haven't <laughs> talked since we did your podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. We we have the quick mum texts, don't we? On the run. How are you going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We see some shit article on the Daily Mail and we go, hey, babe, <laughs> are you holding okay? up? Or, How are you going? <laughs> I have lots of text chains like that with girlfriends, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, that's yeah. What, probably one thing that I really like about following your social media, though, is because, like, you know, once you've been slammed by the media, you kind of go, you've got, like, this break before you hit post. You know, you go, do I really need to engage in this? But I love the fact that you don't have that break. You just go, fuck the media, fuck these guys, fuck everyone, and it keeps everybody on their toes. <laughs> oh, it's just, it's such bullshit. And I sort of, as I've grown up, I've been so disappointed in so many of my friends and peers that they've all gotten so conservative and afraid and mm. um, so full of shit. Mm. I think, oh, hey, oi, what's happened? When we were kids, we were all... Punks, so brave and scared. Bosh. Yeah, we were all punks and we were all going, oh, isn't that sad how they're all such liars and they're all so full of shit. <laughs> and now <laughs> as we've grown up, you're all lying full of shit, you know, yeah. the old farts. Yeah. And, yeah, it's really sad to yeah. watch. Yeah, yeah, I guess it does. It, it freaks people out just getting the tide turning on them. It's like yeah. I think personally I think that like when other people hate on me from other people's like, you know, everyone's always going to hate on me from news.com or whatever, but it's when my own people hate on me that yes. I get scared. You know? <laughs> I know. But then I, but then I realized that it is a generational thing and, and that's probably quite natural too, you know, but when our own people were hating on me, I thought, Hey, what's going on? And then I realized, Oh, you're all really young and you're just kind of mm-hmm. wanting to make your mark and yeah. you're not really aware of, of what's gone on before you and you don't care. And that's yeah. probably normal, I suppose. It's just that when I was your age, we didn't have social media to be so rude. Yeah. So and you know, in- men for that. Interesting. Do you know, I was actually just thinking, this is a bit off topic, but this morning I was thinking about my beautiful daughter and how she's a good friend. Like she has, she's been taught to be a good friend. She doesn't grasp her mates and she loves her mates. And if I say anything bad about her mates, like she yeah. gets, you know, yeah. but she doesn't have a strong friendship group, not like I had, not like, mm. you know, we all sort of had. And I think that might have something to do with social media. It makes everything much more sort of fickle. And Yes, yeah, like dating apps. It's like next, next, 
Mm. Yeah, yeah, mm. absolutely. Mm. There's uh, there is a sense of sort of oh god, vulnerability, isn't there? That it, that things can turn yep. very quickly, and that I guess cancellation is a constant threat. How do you stop yourself from being cancelled? I think if you were, I'm a little bit like you, but I don't know if I'm quite as brave, but like you don't get cancelled because you don't let yourself get cancelled. Yeah, I, to a certain degree, I've come to learn that it doesn't really happen, I don't think. I mean, you know, and people complain about that and they say, oh, cancellation's not real. Look at, look at Louis CK and look at, look at, you know, people like that. I mean, certainly I think in those cases, it should have happened. And certainly Louis CK is not living the life he thought he would be living, you know. But in my case, I think there were times when I thought, oh no, I've been cancelled. I went through a phase where I lost a lot of work and my life certainly changed course. But then I kept walking forward because I had to. Mm -hmm. And you realise, oh, life changes, but it doesn't end. And you can still find joy and find purpose and actually realize that this is better. This is a more honest, a more authentic life, actually, because I'm not fearful anymore. Mm-hmm. If I'm not fearful of cancellation, I'm not fearful, then I can be bigger and better. Do you think people forget? Like, I think people still forget about things. You do realize that too. You realize that, hang on a minute, this is so huge to me. And at that time, even it is for other people. And then something else comes along and they forget about that. And they're on to the next thing. Yeah, and even sometimes you think you've been cancelled because a handful of people are being nasty to you on Twitter and then you go to the shops and you realise no one at Coles even knows it's happening. <laughs> yeah. Or and knows who the fuck you are anyway. So you're like, okay, exactly. reality check. And then you, you you delete your Twitter account and you realise, <laughs> wow, <laughs> there's so a whole true. world out there where this does not exist. Yeah, it's so true. And that's the algorithms as well. Like five yeah. people might be hating on you today, but the other people, they didn't even see it. And they're like, hang on, what what's going on? Why do we hate you? And you're like, yeah. don't worry about it. It's fine, sweetie. Let's move on. <laughs> and for all that, you know, the handful of haters, you've got like the other people that love you as well. Got to remember that. That's the great thing about doing podcasting and things like that, doing your own thing, which is the flip side of technology of where we are now, is that you can just kind of, you know, have your own audience and push forward in that space and realise, oh, I don't need any of that Mm -hmm. other stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't care if I've been cancelled by Channel 10. I've got my own world and my own audience and we're just fine over here. So you have a, sometimes it's hard for me to think because I, I, everyone sort of forgets, obviously. It's it's hard to even think of you as someone who was kind of network owned, you know. You did yeah. radio and the project for so long. Mm. And like if there was sort of, you know, one thing, I know you, did, you didn't like a lot of things about that industry, but was there ever a turning point where you just went, this is not for me, I'm not this person? There wasn't at the time. At the time I was in that mindset of thinking, I am this person. I have to be this person. This is who I've always been. Worked so hard to get to this place. And and I realized, and I wrote a book about it called Buddhism for the Unbelievably Busy, which was really about, <laughs> it really, as I was writing it, kind of, I came to the realization that I hadn't, and I don't think a lot of people do, I hadn't ever sat down and thought about what I wanted again since I was like 20. You know, like I'd set out this sort of list of things that I wanted and this set of goals and I'd worked so hard towards them. And then it never occurred to me to check in with them again Mm -hmm. and see if I still wanted them. Mm -hmm. And so here I was by that stage in my mid forties and I was still like so committed to them and, and I was not happy at all. I had kids, I was older, which means Mm. I wasn't as energetic. (laughs) So Mm. actually by then I was really tired all the time. And for example, 
I, I realized later that every Friday when I drove to Channel 10 to do the project, I wanted to cry. Mm. <laughs> That's a never, bit of a sign, isn't it? Right, but it never occurred to me at the time. But you don't realize at the time and then you look back and go, oh. <laughs> yeah, and not because I was treated badly there or anything like mm. that at all. It was a lot of pressure and the social media aspect of it was huge and I didn't think about it at the time, but later and since then I have thought a lot about the fact that there was no support ever and that we were in a position where we were a lot of times given a question to ask or told to say something to move an interview forward or to like we were, you know, working in a team and so certain things had to be said to provide balance in an interview or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you might take shit for two weeks about that thing that you'd said. And I'd but be you thinking, were told to say it's not you. I didn't yet. even write that question. Mm-hmm. I didn't even care about that, that entire fucking topic. That's a bit scary when they you're not adminning their posts. Nobody ever called to say, fuck, you're taking a lot of heat on social media. Are you okay? Yeah. Nobody, let alone stood up from Channel 10 to say, hey, this is the way the show works. Can everyone back off? And oftentimes then the social media furor would be reported in mainstream media. So then news.com.au would go, oh, Michelle Laurie's followers are really hating her for saying this on the project. So Mm. I'd be constantly in the media saying, oh, she's polarizing. People hate her because of her views. And I'd be like, they're not even my fucking views. I don't even care about this. How many years did you do it? In the end, the Every Fridays was about six, I think, six years. Yes, I like Yeah. Time. Tell me, do people get paid well for being on that panel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. pretty well. Can't remember exactly how much, but it was it was great. Yeah, yeah. it was good. And, and also it was, I mean, to work with Waleed and Limo and Georgie Coglin, we were such a happy little team, oh, happy little great. family on Friday nights. That was what kept me going yeah. was mm-hmm. seeing those people yep. Every Friday was heaven, and the crew and the team behind. Every Friday night, that was that was dreamy. So it was but, just um, the big wigs that kind of ruin it for everyone. The team that I saw there were just beautiful, beautiful. But it was it was the setup, and it, it mm. was just I guess it was all new. Just getting used to this idea of social media being part of a live TV show, mm. and it's such a new format. Then still, even though it's been around for a million years now, this idea that a producer would say in your ear. Michelle, we've got eight seconds after this. Can you fill it? And it'd be, it could be anything. We could be coming off the back of a story about a dog that could surf, or we could be coming off the back of a story about changing abortion laws in America. Mm-mm. Michelle, we've got eight seconds. Yeah, I think that, would, that would really freak me out, having someone being live <laughs> and having someone tell me what Fuck. to say. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, they, in those cases, they wouldn't even tell you what to say. Like, no, you just got to do be, it, right? Yeah, yeah, there'd be scripted questions and stuff for an interview, but then they'll go, Literally, I remember one time it was off the back of a story about abortion and it was like, Michelle, we've got eight seconds. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> Can I say, when you left the project, Michelle, I sort of liken it to, you know, when you find like a really good product that you love and then they discontinue it. Yes. Good <laughs> Thank you. That's how I yeah. felt. I was like, you were fucking great. And you, I think you made that show. I, you know, loved, I don't watch it now, but I used to watch it and you mm. were fucking great. And then I sometimes I feel team. like, yeah, and then really I feel good, good era. You see the the turnovers, and you think like, oh, they're finding more malleable people. You know what I mean? They're they're obviously, and that kind of sucks because it's like you you kind of want to be able to turn on a show and see something that you know is going to be a bit polarizing. It's just beijing out, 
And that's what social media is doing. It's beijing everything out because everybody's scared of, you know, or networks are scared of being cancelled. And the project does cop it. Like, how was that mm. Christian thing recently? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was so heavy. It was so crazy. I mean, it was, you know, just a joke and a pretty basic joke at that, I think. Mm-hmm. And, a, and a, you know, pretty when you've got a fabulous drag camp performer on. I mean, why the fuck? Why book a performer like that and then go, oh, whoops, he said something controversial? Like, are yeah, you yes, fucking joking? Drag queens yeah. do. And it's like then get someone really bland, get a bland comedian mm. on, get Arj Barker on for fuck's sake. Like get on, <laughs> you know, someone get safe. someone yeah, yeah. boring on if you want to have a boring <laughs> show. This is what shits me. Like, you know, they want to have the razzle-dazzle and they want to be able to say, oh, look at us with the exciting, controversial people on. And then but no. want to be able to backtrack. Like it's got to be, yeah. Right, and and blame, you know, all point fingers yeah. and go, oh, we didn't know he was going to say that. Yeah. What hell You can't rude. have it both, both ways. But and it, you can't blame your guest. I think yeah. that's that's point number one. That's rude. Yeah, you're right. I don't I do get angry that, like, religion is a no-go zone for joking. Of course, and particularly in Australia. I mean, we're not a religious country at no. all. Look at our census. Yeah. Nobody even wants to put their hand up for any religion at all. I mean, go to any church on the weekend, it's empty. Yeah. So these the, the backlash must have been coming from America or something. I think it's just that classic social media bullshit where it's six people on social media stirring up drama and news.com.au goes, oh, there's a backlash. Well, it's not. It's like just a handful of people. I mean, there's only a handful of people saw it, let's be honest. Yeah, that's right. None of us actually saw it until we saw it on fucking Facebook. Exactly, <laughs> right? So that's true. how big a drama it was. Speaking of religion, another thing I found about you was that, like, and this this also shits me because you're obviously a Buddhist. Are you still a Buddhist? I sure am. Yeah, you'll always be a Buddhist. But people try and use that against you, don't they? They do, which is funny. I mean, that's just funny. When did you become a Buddhist? In the 90s. I mean, I always read about it. I think it's Buddhism's one of those religion, one of those things that a lot of people are interested in. I mean, mm, yeah. maybe it's because I'm into Buddhism. It's like when you buy a, um, you know, a red car that suddenly you see red cars everywhere. Yeah. But I do find a lot of people mention it. And a lot of people say, oh, you know, I'm kind of into Buddhism or, you know. I think a lot of people can relate to a lot of the values of it, you know, yeah. like it's, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's probably the most, yeah, it is. I think it's the most beautiful religion and and it, and it everyone sort of goes through a, a phase where they want to be yeah. a Buddhist. <laughs> but you've actually <laughs> done it, Michelle. But it's not, that, <laughs> yeah. it's not that bigger leap. So you can eat meat and be a Buddhist? Yeah, you can. You absolutely can. His Holiness the Dalai Lama eats some meat because his doctors say that he should. Oh. It's not like a friend of mine converted to Judaism, a man, and he had to have blood extracted from his penis. I mean, that's, it's not like that. Oh, right. So, yeah, I mean, it was in the 90s when I was uh, in Brisbane, I was going through a pretty deep depression. And so then I decided, okay, I'm going to go to a Buddhist school just for sort of support and just for just to see if it would help. And it did. And so at that point, I got deeper and deeper into it and um, sort of, I'd say, became a Buddhist. And what's the Buddhist school? Like, do they teach you? They have just great classes, like really sort of, it's not about classes to become a Buddhist, but they have really nice, gentle class, like a lot of um, meditation classes, but also things like dealing with anger, basic Buddhism, teach you what it's about and lots of self-helpy kind of classes like that. And so you believe like a hundred percent in your heart in reincarnation? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Cyclic existence. Yeah. Beautiful. So I want to believe, but I've got this little, like, I mean, 
I teach my kids reincarnation, for example, because my mum was an atheist, so she taught me that when we die, it is nothingness, blackness, like when you sleep. And it freaked the shit out of me. And I've had like, <laughs> you know, I've had fears of death wow. ever since. And so I've always taught my kids that, you know, reincarnation, we get, we just, and, and, as a result of that, my kids come up with some shit about their past lives. Like my my son's always going, no, that was my other mum from my other life. And and I don't know if it's his little imagination or if he's really is just young enough to remember stuff. I think he's just fucking with you, babe. Okay. <laughs> I know. I, I think it's more, it's, I think it's probably more complicated, but I only say that because once I, and no, it's massive name dropping, but once I asked His Holiness the Dalai Lama if I like tattoos because in a past life I had tattoos and he said, no. <laughs> wow. No. That's it's a bit cool. more complicated than that. Wow. So, uh, yeah. So, That's uh, interesting. He, he's like, no, nah, it's, more, it's more than that. So, what was your thoughts recently? I know you did a post about it with him getting kind of cancelled. You can't cancel His Holiness. No. So, <laughs> no. <laughs> it doesn't work like that. He was chosen. <laughs> also, no, China's been trying to kill him for 70 yeah, yeah. years. So, I don't think he's really bothered by some social media shit. No, the whole the tongue suck my tongue thing was it's like a traditional game. It's a and also because he doesn't he still doesn't speak very good English, Mm. which a lot of people don't know. He at home he speaks mostly Tibetan. I've heard that. And so the reason that I I did gigs with him quite a bit for over a period of time, not quite a bit, but a couple of times over the course of about ten years, when he'd come to Australia, I would tour with him. And I'd sit on stage with him and help him understand questions from the audience. Right. Wow, I didn't and know that. That's bec- amazing. Yeah. Is that like number one on your resume? Like, <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, um, because he still really struggles with English. Like, for example, once in America, someone asked him how he would deal with self-loathing and he genuinely didn't, didn't understand what that means. Yeah. Like in Tibetan and in Buddhism, there is no such thing as self-loathing. Isn't that amazing? Even culturally, it's just so, he's just still so in this Tibetan mindset, even though he spent so much time in the West and so much time with Western people. But I guess we've got to remember when I say the West, like that could be, that's Europe, that's America, that's lots of different cultures. So I think to him, we're all just a bit nutty. (laughs) And, And, you know, he's just like, they're all crazy. And like one time I was on stage with him and of all people, this is so weird, Ian Thorpe, right? Whoa. Thorpe, he was part of this gig. And we had, I, I was on stage first and I do a bit of a warm up and then I bring on Thorpe and Thorpe and I have a bit of a chat and then we go, and now it's time for his holiness. And his holiness comes on stage, robes, robes are flying. And um, there's about 5,000 people in the crowd and his holiness is bowing and everyone's on their feet and everyone's screaming, so excited. And then, we say, okay, should we sit down? Yeah. And his holiness looks around, looks at me and he goes, you sit down first because you're the fattest. <laughs> <laughs> and the audience just oh my God, died. It. And it was everyone just going, what? Yeah, they just got this. I just heard this gasp, like 5,000 people just went, <gasps> like that. And he just looked at, and Thorpe just shat himself. And his holiness looked at me like, F- now what? what? So he now? just didn't like compute the word. He didn't understand. Was, not no. an insult. Not an insult. That's what I had to say. I was like, guys, it's not a, it's a compliment. It's a that compliment. That is so funny. Because in Tibet, if you're fat, like you're doing good. You're doing mm-hmm. great. You're 
prosperous. Yeah. Probably your husband. He's probably thinking my husband must be really prosperous or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're the queen. Yeah. Wow. And also, like, you're the fattest out of Thorpedo and the Dalai Lama. Like, yeah. who would who wouldn't be? You know. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I went into a shop in Bali and I and I came out and I was really upset. So I was Instagram storying because that's what I do when you know I feel like oversharing. And I was like, <laughs> I just went in, I just went into this shop and I was like going to try something on. And the man, the Balinese guy, goes, "No, can't try that on." And then I went to try something else and he goes, "Do you know what? Nothing in here will fit you." And oh, I was yeah. like, and I walked out anyway. So I Instagram story and so many people messaged me and they were like. Being fat is not a fucking insult in Indonesia. Yeah. So that he's not trying to be an asshole. No. Don't, don't try and cancel him. <laughs> I've had the same thing in Bali. She's like, there's nothing here for you. She's like, you go down the road, fat lady shop. And I was like, yeah. oh. So I went down there and it's actually called fat lady shop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this amazing. Amazing. It's an Asian thing. I had the same thing in Cambodia. In Cambodia, oh, this um, tuk-tuk driver was like, ooh, like this. <laughs> He said, oh, how much you weigh? How much? He said, I think you're maybe 100. Maybe 100. So impressed. Maybe 100. Oh, so he just was in love, I think. Ooh. I love it. So his holiness, when the, this whole, you know, suck my tongue thing is this game that older Tibetans used to play when they have a lolly for their child, they say, it's a game you play with your grandpa. You know how, like, have, I've got your nose game oh. that we would play and the grandpa would say, you can have a lolly, you can have a lolly, um, I've got a lolly in my mouth, and then it would be your tongue. Got it. And it's not creepy. It's not sexual, okay. absolutely not. if you've not. grown up with that sort of tradition, that's just, yeah, okay. That's good. Well, you need to get yeah. that out there because I think people are still like, what the fuck? Like- I did, I did. I shared videos, but, you know, people are such assholes. They're just like, no. No, mm. no. But what about the children? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like people just refuse to accept and willfully refuse to accept other cultures, yeah. you know, other kind of, they're just like, no, I, I understand things. No, there are no other cultures. Yeah, that's and that's it. That's the problem. When you're putting your version of right and wrong onto mm. everyone else, yeah. it's, yeah, it's it's fucked up. Yeah. So can I ask, like, so the Buddhism and then was that before or after you worked in the brothel? And? That was after. After. I need to ask you about your time in the brothel. I did not know you worked in a brothel. Oh, number of brothels, yes. How did you get into that? Not now as a receptionist. How did you get into that and tell us some good stories? I had a neighbour who was working. I was in uh, Melbourne. I was very young. St Kilda? In my early 20s. Yeah, 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 St Kilda. I was living in St Kilda. Did you ever work at the California Club? No, I didn't, but I loved the California club because when I first moved to Melbourne, I used to go past it on the tram all the time and I was so naive. I used to think, I think that's a brothel. <laughs> and it's so, for those of you who've never seen it, it's so obviously a brothel. Like it's <laughs> it's got a naked mannequin in yeah. a big window in the front. And a flashing sign. Gold. Yeah. And, yeah. and a red used light. to clean the, the California club on the school really? holidays. Yeah, because he was a teacher and then he'd clean the California club. So I'd go with him when I was little yeah. and I'd oh, like lie on the velvet beds and I'd be like, <laughs> Dad, I want to work in a gym like this when I grow up. <laughs> I was just going to say, did you lie about what it was? What did you think it was? Yeah, and all the girls were so nice to me. that will be like, well, she's oh. bored. She doesn't want to be here, Jared. We'll take her out. And meanwhile, I'm just having lunch with all these sex workers. And um, they're loving on me and I'm loving on them. Course. Dad went out with one of the receptionists. There you go. In saying that, I don't know if she was a receptionist. I think that might just be what Dad told everyone. <laughs> Who knows? Did it ever cross your mind to do sex work? 
No, it didn't at the time. Although now I think, oh, I probably would have been great at it. But at the yeah. time, no, I was I was married and my husband was like really initially he was a bit stressed. He was like, what do you have to wear there and how does yeah, it work? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, no, the, the receptionist. Yeah, no, there weren't, but the receptionist was very daggy. The receptionist was very sexless. We were meant to be very oh, sexless. And, like Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. But the first brothel I worked in was a transsexual brothel and it was amazing. It was brilliant. And the girls that I was working with there were older girls. They'd all been in the um, in lay girls in Sydney oh, in the 70s. Yes. Wow. So they really taught me the same hair and makeup that I'm wearing right now. Oh, this, wow. I learned from them in the yeah. 90s in this brothel when it was quiet. They'd be showing me how to oh, put how on fun. fake lashes fun, and yeah. taught me how to steam wigs and all that kind of stuff was magic. Yeah, so, amazing. Yeah. So did, was there ever any like awful situations where men came in and they were like, I didn't realise this was a transsexual brothel. No, no, everyone, it was one of the most, it was one of the oldest in Melbourne, yeah, and so everyone, no one even pretended that they didn't know. It was uh, very well known. <laughs> Fantastic. That's, that's fascinating. Would yeah. you have yeah. many sort of heterosexual men going in that are like married and stuff? Yep, lots, lots. There was one guy. Most of them probably would be. Yeah. yeah. There was one guy who used to come once every two weeks with his dog, beautiful little little foxy, and he lived close by and he apparently told his wife he was walking the dog. And so the dog oh, would so sit at reception. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The dog would sit at reception or in the girls' room while he went upstairs. So, yeah, lots of hetero guys. I worked at the boardroom for a while. That was a flash one in South Melbourne where there was a lot of escorts would go to Crown and go and see pop stars and rich mm. guys, you know, princes wow. and all that kind of stuff from the Middle East. That was fun. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. On your true crime podcast, which is obviously wildly successful, you have spoken about lots of crimes against sex workers, haven't you? Yeah. 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 Is that something that you're really passionate about? Sort of like yeah. getting a voice out there? Because I remember when, do you remember when Jill Ma was killed? Yes. And her husband, who's cool as. Yeah, he is beautiful. Yeah, and he was kind of like talking about Tom. the same mm. sort of shit happening with these sex workers in Melbourne. Well, they're so time. vulnerable, yeah. you know? Like it's Yeah, well, because not long after Jill was murdered, Tracy Connolly was murdered. She was a sex worker in St Kilda and mm. uh, she was murdered in her van mm. in Greve Street and that's an unsolved murder still. And so Tom was very passionate about her case in particular but also specifically about, you know, the fact that crimes against sex workers don't get the media coverage mm. that certainly that Jill's murder yep. got. And also Adrian Bailey, who murdered Jill, had raped a number of sex workers beforehand, yep. Yep. brutally. So, yeah, definitely, because a lot of the girls I worked with also worked the streets from time to time. and It's very high yeah. risk, you know. Very. Yep. But but I remember, you know, sometimes, you know, girls would, would come to work in a brothel. A lot of girls just don't even bother anymore. They... They advertise online and work from home or whatever, which freaks me out, frankly, because I think it's so unsafe. Like, yeah, you know, you. I look. I think so, but maybe I'm just a daggy old woman now. But I, (laughs) at the time, I used to think because I understand, you know, the brothel takes almost half the money. I get that, and I get why young women now go fuck that. I'm not giving Mm. my money. I'm on my back earning my money. I'm hardly going to give it away. Mm. But I think 
the way I remember it, that at least I was downstairs, there was a buzzer in your room that you could buzz if you got into trouble. The building was full of people, me and all the other girls, you know. Did the buzzers get buzzed very often? Never any trouble. Never in my, I think it was five years I worked. They would have to change modes. So you're in their world now. Yeah. And the girls had such confidence in that. They really let them know from the beginning, you're in our world now. And I suppose like they're not allowed to go in if they're at a certain, you know, if they're completely drug fucked or there's, you know, something going on. So that's, yeah. Yeah. That's Mm. a receptionist job to filter them out a bit at the door. Mm. So was that ever scary? Like being, you're like a bit of a door bitch. Fully a door bitch. No, it wasn't scary. I loved it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, what are you talking about? Loved it. I can see it. Like I can totally see you doing that. (laughs) And I was so young. I was like 25 and just loved it, you know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. What a great job. I had my own favorite clients, you know, had had (laughs) guys that I loved and uh, who who would hang out with me in Recepo for a while before and after their booking and, um, yeah, loved it. So you mentioned that you were married then. You're not married now. You've only been married once. Yes. Once is enough, isn't it? Like, Once is on, like. enough. <laughs> yes, I'm, I am single now. I'm just out and about, you know. Are you mingling? Mm. Oh, yes. <gasps> yes, yes. Mingling. How's it going? It's going great, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> it's a um, it must be tricky. Is it tricky because you've got a profile and everything or do you just act like a normal person? I'm just totally a normal person, but I'm not on the apps. Uh, I don't understand the apps. I, I can't. I can't stand it. All the chitter chatter. All the all the messaging. I'm like, oh god. Oh, and god. there's all this like etiquette now for the apps. You know, like oh. it's like it's a lot to get your head around. You know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. needy. Mm-hmm. How was your weekend? Oh, well, so even just setting up the whole, you know, profile. It's like it's really time consuming. Oh god, it's so boring. I was listening to something about it was like a it was a bit of a men's rights sort of short clip on TikTok or something and it was some guy with all these stats about how many times a man of average looks how many times he has to swipe in order to get a match I think it was like a thousand times and then one out of every four people that he does connect with will show up so like he was actually talking about men how we're creating a generation of super rejected men oh is that why when they do get a match they just like panic and send like a picture of their penis yeah, <laughs> like a, a child. So you're like, <laughs> but I feel like isn't that just the the way it's always been? Like I feel like as a woman, it's always been easier to get laid, yeah, hasn't sex. it? Yeah, of absolutely, of course. Yeah. So but it's always like been it's harder to get a relationship. Yes, absolutely. Yes. Mm, mm. We can get laid anytime, but mm. yeah, if you want a relationship, much harder. Yeah. So let alone a good I think one, this is just you know? yeah, this is just normal. Now they've just got stats to back it up on their phone. But yeah. it's yeah, that's always true. been thus. That's, that's so true. But my, mm. I guess my one of my things that and this is very unfeminist of me to say, but I do worry about, you know, as a woman, I've always kind of wanted a relationship. And and I hear a lot of people talking now about how they don't. And they're on they're mm. only like like having the sex because they want the sex. But I feel like it's kind of like the Tinder thing. It's gotten every, men just get their own way so much more because they just want the sex and the women are saying, oh, that's all I want too. But, like, when you get really close with the woman, they'll be like, yeah, I actually wish that he had Yeah, I think there's a lot of women out there saying that as well. Yeah, they don't yeah. And, and you're do. probably right because I, I say that. I say I only want the sex. But I think I have been sort of called out on that by men because – I think I want a certain kind of relationship that's very non, I don't know, I just I just don't have a lot of time. You want to do like what where Con and I've got this goal, like when you're older, you know, live in two houses. You want that? You oh, want definitely. Separate, yeah. Mm. 
And even now it's like I've got like probably one night a week. Mm. And I did have this. I had a fabulous boyfriend for about three months and it was just like one night a week and I had no intention of introducing him to my kids. I didn't really want to meet his kids. And the sex was amazing. And he and I liked him personally. It wasn't just sex. Like I thought he was funny and great. And but then he got a bit sort of gameplay. And I mm. thought later, I think I kind of walked into that because it was just a one night thing. And you know, that was kind of par for the course a bit. Yeah, it's almost like if it's not like more mm. than that, it's kind of lingering, t-shirting on this mm. and it can't go for longer than three months. Right, exactly. I think he sort of got bored with me and, and then and then he, he cancelled and I realised he he's lying about why he cancelled because he wasn't well, you you just know, know, smart you enough just to know, lie right? well. Yeah. yeah. And I thought, oh, okay, so now the excitement of this kind of one night a week thing is kind of worn off and now you're looking for something else fresh. Yeah, Whereas yeah. I was really happy with that one so night away. It's going to be an interesting kind of guy that can handle that and that can yeah. stay motivated. Yep. Keep enjoying that. Yeah, because the, the lust and the excitement at the beginning wears off, but the love and the commitment has kicked in. So it doesn't matter. Whereas if you're not kicking the love and commitment in, then it is going to yeah. be that sort of weird like limbo land. Yeah, because I was really looking forward to that one night a week. It was really keeping me going all week, you know. But, you know, then there's other people that want the same thing as well. Like I think. I hope I so. Think I can't so. even like, be able to other, find you know, one. Someone else that's busy that only wants one night a week as well. I've tried. I've tried, but they get a bit like, hmm, one way or another. <laughs> they get a bit, hmm, like, yeah, it's, it's not true. enough. Oh, or, and that's a bit of a turn off. It, oh, massive turn off. Yeah. 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 So it, one way or another it's yeah, not worked out Yeah, they either want more or yeah. they want to start booty calling you once a month and you're, yes. you don't want either of them. Yeah. No, no you definitely mm. don't. I wanted to know something about your podcast because it is obviously like both of the podcasts are hugely successful and we'll get to the new one in a sec, but I was wondering, has there ever been a case that you have just been horrified by doing Australian true crime? God, so many. Mm. But any that just stand out as, as like, what the fuck, this is so fucking rank. Oh, well, what about the one we, we did recently that I know you spoke to Natalie as well. Natalie, who's, um, oh, whose son. Yeah. Did you, did did you, you speak to her? We did, we did. We spoke to her and then someone uh, said to me, oh, she just spoke to, um, to Con, Natalie Sands. Well, I contacted 60 Minutes because I've still got the producer's number in my phone and I love him. He's really nice, one of the producers. And he was like, yeah, wow, this is a full-on story. Why mm. hasn't it been taken on? whose father killed her mother and her beautiful baby son and then was judged mentally incompetent. And is hanging out, it's on day release, drinking at the pub. Yeah. That was a crazy one because, you know, you've got the Hannah Clark and then you've got, you know, with the Burns, you've got Shuria Pitt who's had to yeah. live with this forever. And, and these are very well-known names. And and seeing seeing Natalie with the, the Burns, and I mean she had Burns to 85% of her yeah. body, which puts you in the, you know, unlikely to survive totally. category. And just the strength of this beautiful young woman. I know it's recent, but I found that one hard to get through, to be honest, mm. even just to talk to her. Given how recent it is, the fact that she can talk about it the way she does is like, she's incredible. Mm. Yeah, she really is. And I, I know she's got the motivation to fight mm. for her son and for her mum. So 
that one is really the hardest one I can remember mm. hearing, and I've heard some hard stories. And also because the main victim, apart from obviously the two victims who lost their lives, but she's still with us. So it's like, yeah. you know, it's it's not a past tense story that you're talking about. Yeah. Which would probably be, yeah, something that happens a lot in true crime. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And also just it's so hard to hear when people have been let down so badly by the legal system, but also, you know, by family members. Mm-hmm who have been groomed so thoroughly by an offender that they felt like they couldn't tell the truth mm. when they had the opportunity and all of those things is just heartbreaking. Yeah. She's, she's, she's on a, so in, alone. She's, yeah, she's on this journey on her own, which makes yeah all the more amazing. Yeah, yeah. But that is honestly, it sounds cheesy, but that is why I do the podcast, yeah. you know? Yeah. So does has it affected you know, like the way that you think about men by any chance? Because I know that if you're doing true crime in Australia – the women are going to be the victim so many times and the men with the perpetrator. I don't think so because we do, you know, there are definitely a lot of male victims, whether they're children or not. And also we speak to a lot of offenders who have been victimised first. We get criticised sometimes for being like bleeding hearts about offenders, but I do believe that if we treated our victims better, if we were better at you know, taking care of victims, we'd have less violent offenders in Australia. Mm. I would agree with that. And that's a very Buddhist belief, isn't it, to be able yeah, to empathise with everyone. I remember reading that when I was like 18. It was something like you can't do any wrong with compassion and I thought, well, that's a good rule really stick true. to. You can't fuck anything up with compassion. Yeah. And so you've got this incredibly popular podcast. It's one of the top podcasts in Australia what made you go and release another one? <laughs> well, I thought it was because you that you must have gotten sick of true crime and you and you like are a funny woman. You're a funny no, woman, you know. You've yeah. done radio and it was always sort of on the humorous side, wasn't it? Yeah, definitely. And then and I did get sick of that. I didn't get I, I kind of just got to a point after radio where I thought, oh, I've got nothing left to say about <laughs> I don't want to talk anything anymore. else. Yeah, I don't want to talk anymore. And I liked the true crime because it felt like there was a purpose, a great purpose to it. It was helping people to tell their stories. So that felt purposeful. It felt like there was it was using my skills for a purpose, you know. But I thought, oh God, I don't want to talk about myself or anything like that ever again. But then Bags, who I used to work with on radio, he and I got talking and he sort of talked me into it and I am finding it really fun. I am finding it a great, you know, counterweight actually to the true crime and I'm really, really enjoying it. Interacting with those listeners is just too funny. I mean, the secrets, I have some secrets to play for you if you'd like to hear some. I was going to say. Mind-blowing. Yeah. So they're all real? Yes, 100% real. (laughs) And they're getting crazier. Like they are getting, lately we're just like, oh, fucking hell. You're like, I am not equipped to answer this. Do not take my (laughs) advice. (laughs) They're just like, I love you guys. I love people. You know, it just reminds me of how much I love people, which is not something I often think in the true crime one, to be and honest. Fucking, you know, afterwards, you th- you, some, some of the things I've heard on your podcast, I sit back and go, my day is actually not looking that bad, you know? Like, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually doing all right here. For anyone out there wondering, it's called Can We Be Real? Listen to this. So we're in a group of friends and we're doing pre-drinks and a friend of ours took a necklace from my other friend, pretty much stole it. She told us that she took it because our girlfriend doesn't pay for any Ubers or drinks or anything like that. And she <laughs> sold it on Marketplace. How's that? They thought, well, we'll sort her out. 
tight ass friend. That, that kind of stuff happens. Yeah. Yeah. And every group has a tight ass friend. So what do you think about this as a solution? Just like <laughs> steal something from her and sell it on marketplace Make and just your own back. caught on marketplace. I don't I don't get it. Marketplace is so easy to catch someone. I think that's quite genius. There you go. I, I'm not a, a marketplace aficionado, but that's a good point. Yeah. Or you could I mean you You're could like, just sit there and go, look, you know, Lauren, we're not going anywhere until you've ordered the Uber. So she needs to yeah. be sorted out. All of our phones are broken, just, Lauren. Yeah. Come on. Well, we're not going until you do it, Loz. Stinginess makes stinginess. Like if you've got a stingy friend and they're never paying for dinner, you find yourself going, you ate three fucking dim sims. (laughs) And you you would never have that before, you know? Yeah. I know. Loz has never bought around the drinks. Yep. Loz. Next one. (laughs) Is Loz a real person, by the way? Because you're really throwing that around. (laughs) Get this one. This one's out of control. Ready? I'm a 42-year-old man, I'm a single father of two, and I manage a small team. I'm what people would consider a successful guy. I have a secret, though. I actually steal other men's undies from the change rooms at the gym. How's that? Does he say why? No. Okay, I just got a visual. I think I know what he does with them. He puts them over his head while he's wanking. Wow! I've seen this on a lot of shows. There was a guy on a show the other day and he was fixated with What someone, shows so, are you watching? Oh, mate, like I'll send you my, my you know, recently watch list. And he, yeah. was wanking, he was stealing undies and wanking over them. It's like, a, you know, like that's what they do. But, yeah, also Claude's husband is a nurse in an ED ward. Yeah. He's oh. a social worker in like acute psychiatry. Just when you think nothing can shock you. Wow. When they contact you with this, do you ever want to write back and go, why? Or what do you do? <laughs> yeah, we do. We go, we go, we need more information. We need more. Yeah. As a woman, that would really um, freak me. I feel very violated because, like, you yeah, need to want other people to know what's on your undies. But yeah. it's like we're used to that kind of violation. That's what I yeah. think. We're almost used to that level of violation, but yeah. men would be like, yeah. Oh, fuck? I kind of like it from that level. Yeah, they they just <laughs> for men. They're just like, what the? They're just not used to that. Maybe he's yeah, doing like it like that. to make them realize that it's you know fucked up. He's a sexism warrior. <laughs> <laughs> All right, check this one out. You're going to have firm thoughts about this one. I have been hooking up with my sister's husband, which sounds really weird, but it's it doesn't feel weird. It kind of happened one day when we were away for a family trip and my sister got called out for work and yeah one thing led to another and now I don't know if I should tell her or just never speak about it again anyway that's my secret so do you advise for these secrets look I normally do but that one I'm just like you're just a fucking bitch yeah is that a girl or a guy that's a girl. Okay. That's a girl. And I'm just like, you're just, you just hate your sister. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah, I do. And even like, should I tell? No, just stop. Yeah. Exactly. That? Yeah. That's your sister. <laughs> That's your blood. Yeah. One of my friend's husbands is fucking gorgeous. As soon as they get into a relationship with my friend, they become quite unattractive because that's their husband. It's almost yes, like totally. you don't think of them that way. Totally. So yeah. you hear all the bad shit about them. You hear all the bad shit. Like, ew. Like, yeah. Mm. 
Yeah, mm. absolutely. I'm a big believer that if a guy's cheated on you in the past or if you guys were in the beginning a an affair, I just haven't seen men change. That's Dr. Phil's perspective. If he cheated with you, he'll cheat on you. Yeah, it's so true. <sighs> and also man, women as it? well. With women it's often different. It's like more of an emotional, like they have that yeah, sort of whereas guys void just, they just can't fill. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Dr. Mm. Phil. Yeah. Yeah, you'd get some you'd get some juice on that podcast of mm. like I love a good cheating story. We had a friend's husband cheat recently. We got oh, um, it was pri- a doozy. Private investigators and everything. Really? Yeah, when it ended, we all felt like we'd lost a limb. It was like oh, what no. now? Like because yeah. it was just so next level. Have you seen the Beckham documentary? No. Is that good? I th- it's great. I loved it. And I, I really liked the way they handled the, his cheating. Mm. They didn't deny it. They, it was brief, but they talked about their family. They cheated with the nanny, remember? Always the way. So cliche. Always the way. Mm. As if you're hiring a hot young nanny. Well, most women want their husbands to cheat so they can fuck off. So it's like they <laughs> she didn't. So if, if if your wife hires a hot nanny, you like the marriage is done. Yeah, this is well, what she, she didn't. <laughs> but it's interesting how they talked about you know how they fought for their family, and I look had never thought about it that way before. Without look, sort of um, infantilizing him and and making excuses for him, he did talk about the fact that he had been sold, which is such a bizarre situation. He had been sold to Real Madrid. So he'd been sold to this team suddenly in Spain. He's sent to Spain overnight. He doesn't speak the language. He's alone. He's out of the environment he spent his entire life in. Victoria can't go. And he fell into a vagina. He accidentally fell into a vagina, guys. And <laughs> it can happen no, when you're lonely and just, you don't speak the language. <laughs> just um, trying out some chorizo and accidentally fell into a vagina. <laughs> With his sangria and chorizo. <laughs> a bit of a sangria, yeah. But also the fact that she's the nanny, like, is there a fucking mm. court case there? She's an employee. It's I know, there's that. But that didn't exist then, mate. We didn't we weren't talking about power dynamics then. And right. she's had she's had yes. a field day with it, didn't she? She's you know, she really she's on I think she went on like all the reality shows. And she, she did. She did. Now she's married to a different dude. Yeah, I think she made some yeah, money out of yeah. it. Good. But yeah, I, you know, I hope she got I, a good severance. Yeah, right. Mm. Mm. I wouldn't fuck with Posh. She doesn't fuck seem no like somebody way. you want to fuck with. I'd be out of there. No. Pronto. No. no, you'd get a Pito stiletto to the forehead, I would yeah. imagine. <laughs> though. I liked yeah. it. They both yeah. come across very likable, very likable people from good families. It's really yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I think interesting. Their, their kids seem well adjusted. And I always take that as a mark of people, you know, mm. Um, mm. which I'll, I'll say to my peril and hope that my kids don't grow up to be <laughs> like fucking lunatics. That's but so true. It is true. Yeah. You've got, yeah mm. kids that have been, you can tell them they've been And you, you can't yeah. tell until they grow up what they're no. going to be like. So it's no. like, we've all got to shut our mouths because you well, never know. Okay, I'm starting to tell now what mine are going to realise. Well, Cindy Crawford's Cindy Crawford's son Presley. Remember, he got some oh, yeah, he something got weird tattoo. tattooed on his face, and I went, Ugh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and when they turn on their parents in the public eye, like yeah. that's yeah, like Lauren Hill. That kind of ruined it for me with Lauren Hill. Yeah, yeah. What happened? Oh, her? Her, her kid, her kid came out and said she was mega abusive. Oh no! Meg, yeah, really? yeah. And then Lauren kind of did a statement on Oprah or something. There was an Oprah thing about it. And, yeah, it was just kind of messy. Like the the ex-husband to Bob Marley's son, he has 
he came out and said, look, she got really, really close with this religious guy. You know how she's super Christian, mm, 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 I think? Mm. Yeah. And, 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 it, and it's a little bit like the Ruby Frankie thing. Like this religious guy came in and was like, you know, rule with an iron fist type thing. Mm, and, mm. yeah, she was physically quite abusive. To oh, the wow. Oh, no. The kids did a, one of her kids did a live stream on Instagram about it. Oh, oh. God. <laughs> Ouch. Oh, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not a good, never a good sign. Going back to Posh and Bex, one of the things mm. I loved about Posh was that she was on Ali G and he's gone. How funny is that? She's, oh, she's so really, funny. That's one of my favourite comic moments when he says, okay, no disrespect to your bitch. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Fuck, that made me laugh Do you know what made laugh. me laugh when he goes, <sighs> um, so are you hoping the kid will grow up to be a, a soccer player, a football player like his dad or a singer like Mariah Carey? <laughs> 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 she just laughs, but she can't. You know, I love herself. I love her. Yeah, so yeah. funny. Yeah, yeah that's, that's what I mean. Yeah. They come across as really down to earth and fun. Yeah. And yeah. I loved it. Remember when Bex lined up to see the Queen's? I know that was cute. Coffin, and he just lined up with everyone else. He lined up for like eleven hours. Wow. And of all the people in the world, he surely could have got special treatment and ducked in a side door, but he never asked. He just lined yeah, up. Yeah, cool. With everybody well, else, she was like, She's a sweetheart. I'm standing here, mustelettos for. She said, you just say hi from me, babe. Say hi from me. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on. I better not take any more of your time. Oh, not at all, you girls. Thank you so much. It's been lovely. Yeah. Give my love to everybody. Don't forget to listen to Michelle's new podcast, everybody. Can we be real? It's hilarious. Yeah, we'll get Michelle back on. Oh, please do. Yeah. And come to Melbourne. Please come to Melbourne. Yeah, I'm coming for a photo shoot in a couple of weeks. If I get a spare 10 minutes, I'll have an hour. (laughs) Yeah, do. Or I'll come to the photo shoot and chat while you're having your makeup done. I do a lot of those. Do a lot of those dates with people. I go with my yeah. I go with my girlfriends to their kids' sport and stuff like that. Just because it's so hard to catch up anywhere. So true. So true. Oh, thank you so much. Nice. Yeah, lovely chatting with you. You too, my darling. And you also Bye. look really fucking hot, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, you know, your on the skin's old. looking you. bloody Yeah, great. very bloody clear. Yeah. It's a lot of, lot of, you know, all the stuff that we do. Yeah, yeah, of yes, course. Yes, yeah. <laughs> I was just saying before we got on, I was like, I've just booked mine for tomorrow. I'm That's me so frowning. Great That's me trying to photo shoot. Oh, wow. Come on. I'm angry I'm right done. now. The kids can oh. never tell. I'm like, what have you done? <laughs> you have to tell them. You have to tell them I'm so furious. <laughs> Thanks for listening to another episode of To Be Frank. If you enjoyed this episode and want more, be sure to click follow. And leaving a review helps others find the podcast. Join us next time as we explore more interesting topics and people from all over the world. 